Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're tuning in. Um, we're in the middle of a series called What's Important Now? Uh, it's exciting. This is an exciting week. We're looking at the book of Romans, specifically the last few chapters. If you're following along with us on the F260 plan, this week is the overlap week where we are going, we're actually right now reading through the book of Romans on the F260 Bible plan. We're reading that together as a church. If you're not a part of that, and you want to be, just go to our website, and there's a button in the middle of the page that says join the F260 plan, and you will get automatically accepted, and you can be reading along with us. So this is an exciting week. Um, there's a lot to the book of Romans, but there's some tough stuff in the book of Romans as well, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and we're talking about what's important right now, and this morning I want to start by shedding some light on this question, and not, not from me, but from the Apostle Paul. How do we handle differences with other believers? How do we live with, how do we even grow in relationship with believers who believe so differently about some things than us? How do we actually maintain that relationship and grow in that relationship? And the truth is, maybe uh, you have some people in your life who believe differently than you, and they're believers, and it's okay, it's kind of easy to be like, oh, that's okay, they just believe different than us, that's totally fine, give them some space. But things totally turn around when it's not you saying, okay, give them some space, but when people in your life who are believers start getting really worried about you because of the way you're believing. I don't know if you've been a part of this, but maybe somebody says, wait, you believe what? Like they're questioning your faith, they're questioning everything about you, they're questioning whether or not they can still be related to you, they can question whether or not they can still be living next to you, uh, maybe they're not even questioning anymore if you're going to still be their friend on social media or not. There's just this like out of nowhere when we disagree with other believers, how do we handle that? That's a scary thing. That's a real thing that I think we all ought to be very equipped with, especially in this day, especially in this time. And Paul shed some light on that. So how do we handle differing opinions amongst believers? And, and I want to share, we're, we're talking about amongst believers. We're talking beyond just the basics, beyond the foundations of our belief, beyond the, the fact that we are all sinners, we all fall short, and that Jesus died, and it's only through, our perfect, through faith in Him that we're redeemed. It's only by His grace we're redeemed. And throughout the book of Romans, Paul does a phenomenal job of laying out theology, and as we read through it, when we get to chapter 14, we're actually, uh, my, my theology even expands and grows, because Paul does such a good job saying, these are the basics, but there are so many other things that we're, uh, we're really honest about as we look through scripture, that God is not super clear on, yet as believers, those are the things that I'm worried about, those are the things that we can divide amongst ourselves, some, some things like, is it okay to smoke tobacco? That's not, that's not clear in Scripture. Is, it, is that a sin issue? What is that? that? That's something that's kind of a gray area. Here's one. Whether to drive an electric vehicle or a gas vehicle. That's not laid out in Scripture. How do we, how do we handle that? Here's, here's one that's very, very real, very, very time sensitive. Is it okay to celebrate Halloween? And, and, and now that maybe takes another step of, okay, whoa, 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 Tim, that's not funny anymore. That's serious. That's serious. Yet if we look in Scripture, it doesn't specifically say anything about that. How do we navigate that issue? Here's one that's very close to home. And I believe we probably have differing convictions on this thing. And the clue to that is I have seven kids. Birth control. 
Scripture is not crystal clear on that. And I would imagine we probably have differing beliefs on this, but here's, here's, this is where this all lands. Who's right, who's wrong? And, and what we're going to walk through, we're going to read through, Paul walking us through this, encouraging through this, it's not about who's right and who's wrong, it's about what convictions God's put on your heart. And this can be kind of a light thing. This can kind of be like the big division that happens in your life. Maybe, maybe as you're entering those teenage years, maybe in the last 15 years, maybe you're just new making a huge decision in your life. But we've all had that decision where we make the definitive choice if we're going to be a PC person or an Apple person. And we've all made that definitive choice when you go to renew your cell phone contract and whether you get the Android or the Apple phone, and that's kind of okay one way or another. It's not a big deal. But when it comes to convictions... This is scary. When it comes to something like birth control, this is something that I ask everyone about because I want to not have a conviction in this area, yet I have a conviction in this area. And I do not project that on anybody else, but I believe that there are things in your life that God has given you a conviction over, that he hasn't given other people a conviction over. And what do you do with that? With other believers, how do you walk forward in life with that? Well, I want to jump in. I don't know what that thing is, but I believe we all have something that we're convicted on or not convicted on, and there's some tension about it with other believers, and we feel the tension. We should believe this way, or we shouldn't believe this way, or they should believe this way, or they shouldn't believe this way. And I want to just jump into Scripture and see what Paul has to say about this. So in Romans 14, he starts the chapter. And remember, this is on the backside of this long theology. This is on the backside of the last few weeks we've been talking about what's important now, where he talks about we ought to submit, or we've got to obey the government, that Ben tells a couple weeks ago, the most imperative thing in life is that we ought to love one another. Then last week we spent some time looking at the urgency of loving other people. That we've got to get in gear because the times are coming to an end and we've got to make a decision. We've got to influence other people and make that decision soon. So he says this in the beginning of Romans 14, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. So we ought to accept them who are weak in faith and don't argue about them right or wrong. And I read this, and you probably read this and say, okay, there's some people in life who are just weak. And I read this, and I think, like, the other people are weak, and as an American, what do you do with weak people? You help them until it cramps your style, right? And then you depart from them. But that's not what Paul's saying. And we're going to see that very specifically as he begins to give us examples of what that looks like. He says, for instance, one person believes it's right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. And this is, this is not merely vegetarian or carnivore. This is in, in the context of Paul writing to Rome, which is, which is a big city and has a pretty strong representation of some Jews. And then also there are some new believers who are Gentile believers. And at the time, if you were of a Jewish background, anything you consumed in some way, shape, or form, was something spiritual. It had some spirituality tied to it. And now these new believers are having these questions about, can we eat this or not? Well, Gentiles, man, they grew up on Cheetos and Ho-Hos, and they don't care what they put in their mouth. It's just like, is it delicious or not? And so they have absolutely no convictions about the spirituality connected to food, yet the Jews who weren't free in Christ Jesus were still having some kind of convictions with it. And he's giving this example how we ought to care for those around us who have a weaker faith. He says, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Well, that's cool. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. 
for God has accepted them. So who are, you to, who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So we're four verses in, and Paul's saying, for some people, yeah, you have a weaker conscience, and for some people it doesn't bother them. How do we respond to another? Well, let's start with the weak, with the weak in faith. And again, I read this and I think, like, I'm a believer, I'm not weak in faith, I'm growing in faith, but we're talking about the other people. But what Paul's saying, the people who are weak in faith are the ones who have convictions about certain things. And he's calling that weak in faith because there's convictions that, that get in the way. And then for the strong in faith, those are the people who really aren't too concerned about the things. And both the strong and the weak, there are some ways that we ought to respond to each other. And, and so he starts with the weak. For the weak... Don't condemn others. If you have a convicted uh, conviction not to eat certain things, don't condemn other people who don't have that conviction and desire to eat those things. Don't condemn them. Don't, don't publicly criticize them for not being holy. Don't question their faith because you're the one with weaker faith. And for those who have no convictions... Don't look down on other people who do. Don't. If you're not convicted, be blessed in that, but absolutely do not judge other people. Do not say you're weaker faith in this. We look at this, and I look at this, and I say weaker faith, stronger faith. I want to be stronger faith. Paul is saying there's a difference between weaker faith and stronger faith. He is not saying one is better than the other. And when we talk about faith, faith we know only comes from God, and it's a gift from God. And, and, and actually what that looks like is the stronger our faith means we're relying less on ourselves and trusting more in God. And the weaker our faith, we're trusting more in ourselves and less on God. So whether you have stronger faith or weaker faith, whether you're con you have conviction or not, you ought not to judge each other. He goes on to say in verse 5, here's another example. In the same way, some may think, one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do it to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For if we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ dies, died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and the dead. What Paul just did is something that I don't practice very often. That I haven't experienced a lot lately. He is talking about people's, whether they have a conviction or they don't have a conviction. And he's talking to believers who are on both sides. And he never undermines their salvation. He never undermines their motive. He says, whether you're convicted to eat this or not eat this, whether this day you think is more important than this day, do it unto the Lord. You're doing it unto the Lord. Whether you think it's important or not, you're doing that. You're making that decision based on honoring God. 
I love, 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 love Paul's example that he's saying, if you're different, if you have a different conviction, do that unto the Lord. And if you don't, do that unto the Lord. Either way, do it unto the Lord because ultimately Christ died for the living and the dead. Christ is amongst all, he's, he supersedes all of this stuff and he doesn't undermine at all the motives because he's talking to believers and he's like, whether you're convicted or not, that has nothing to do with your salvation. That has nothing to do with your motives. Your motives should be pure regardless of what your conviction looks like. In verse 10, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Paul reminds us, it's not your duty to be the police to other believers about things that are not clear in Scripture. We're not talking about blatant sin issues. We are not talking about that. And if you read through the first 13 chapters of Romans, you will see he lays that out very clearly. Those are separate. He's talking about the gray areas. Why are you condemning each other? Why are you looking down on each other? They will, look at, they will have their time in front of God, as will you. The most important thing is us before God. Are we doing it unto God? Because that's who is going to be judging us. We are His servants, not other people's servants. Well, I want to remind you, the imperative is to love other people once we have experienced that love from Christ. And we experience that love from Christ when we lay down our everything. When we acknowledge, when we admit that we don't know better than other people, that we understand the law, yet we fail to uphold the law. That we all know the law, yet we fail to uphold the law because we're broken, because we're sinful, because we're selfish, because we're prideful, because we're messed up, because we're negligent. Because we struggle. Man, we struggle with lust. Man, we struggle with our desire for food. We struggle with our desire to love others above ourselves. Man, we mess up. We are corrupt. We hide it. Most of the time... But we are corrupt. We don't know. We fail. Paul does a fabulous job of reminding us of that. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then we need to believe that it, it is through Christ who lived a perfect life, who was the perfect sacrifice, who died on the cross, so His righteousness blots out your sinfulness in your place so that we can all be redeemed in relationship with our Father, with our Creator. And He is the only sufficient sacrifice. It's only through Christ. It's not Christ and actions. It's not Christ and obedience. It's only through Christ. It's 100% because of His grace, not because of our actions. We believe that, then we choose to follow Jesus. We choose, we make that daily choice to follow Him and follow the convictions that the Holy Spirit specifically and uniquely places on our life. So when it comes to how do we treat other believers, man, we all ought to come before our only judge, which is our Father, 
We've got to admit, we've got to believe in Jesus that He died for us, and we need to choose to follow the conviction that He specifically gives to us and not be the police of other people around us because we cannot manage their convictions. They will have to answer to God themselves. And Paul goes on to say, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So we read this first section of chapter 14, and we're going to get into a little bit more next week of what it looks like to live in such a way that we don't cause others to stumble and fall. But before we go there, I just want to pause and review a little bit of what we just read in Paul's words. Develop your own convictions. He's not saying just coast through life and do what feels good as the time comes. Do I feel like eating this? Cool. Do I feel like this? Cool. Is this convenient? He's saying develop your own convictions. And we need to, as believers, pray for those convictions. And I'll be very transparent with you guys. I am very jealous of some of my friends that don't carry some of the convictions that I carry. And they're full believers are following Jesus, yet they carry convictions that I don't carry. And I cannot just adopt theirs, and they can't just adopt mine. That's something that we need to go to God and pray through. What are our specific convictions? What is God convicting you of when it comes to celebrating Halloween? That's a kind of easy one for some people. For me, it was a fight. It was a battle. It's a war handling the conviction that God is giving me and my wife, this is super personal, about birth control. And there's different seasons for things, and this isn't you, this isn't you, this isn't you, this is me. And there's some other things that God has given me complete liberty in other areas where my friends feel very convicted, and I don't carry in conviction, and that's amazing. But develop those convictions. Pray, ask for clarity from God on what He's giving you a conviction over. Here's the difficult one. We need to create space for other people's convictions. We need to create space for this. Notice Paul says, if other people can eat things, or if other people are eating things, let them trust God that He's accepted them, not you. He has accepted them. If you have a hard time dealing with that, Guess who's the person with little faith? You. Because you have a hard time trusting God to accept them. You want to intervene and fix them. We've got to create some space. And ultimately, they're going to be the ones that are going to be going in front of God. And He is the one that has the opportunity to accept them. And this is scary because, oh, I want to fix them before they get there. But if I had great faith, if I was of strong faith, I would fully trust that God would do that and not me. We've got to create space for other people's convictions. And thirdly, we've got to put people first. Whether you have strong convictions, whether you're blessed with a lot of liberty and a lot of freedom and not a lot of strong convictions, don't impose that on other people. Don't hide behind your convictions don't put other people in situations to have to deal with your convictions or their convictions. 
elevate people going back to what Ben reminded us of two weeks ago that Paul, the theme of this chapter, the theme of these chapters is the imperative is to love other people. We've got to give room for other people to work out their convictions, for other people to walk with us as we live out our convictions. The big, cha- the big challenge this morning is simple but huge. And it's to actually memorize the scripture verse that we just read through, Romans chapter 14, verse 13. So let's stop condemning each other. As believers, let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead. And decide instead, because this is not our natural instinct. Our natural instinct is to fix those around us and that we all got to be the same. But decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause others to stumble and fall. I encourage you, don't just agree with this, but spend some time to memorize this. So when you're scrolling and you come across that comment, when you're standing line at the grocery store and you hear somebody say something, or you see a bumper sticker, or you see a yard sign, or you see somebody eating something or drinking something, or somebody rings your doorbell next Saturday, that you can be reminded that it's not your job to condemn. But instead, knock it off. Stop it, especially amongst believers. And I want to encourage us all as I wrap up. We've been talking about your front row card. We've been talking about you supernaturally and strategically having an influence over a small population of people, maybe 8 to 15 people, that God has supernaturally and strategically placed in your life to watch your life from the front row. To see, not only hear what you're saying, but see the way you live your life. And we've been listing these people, we've been praying for them daily, we've been investing in them and inviting them. And I'm sure you've realized this. But when we invite people, the church is not the most inviting place. People typically are not thrilled to go to church. Because the church has a bad rap. The church has a bad name for itself. When believers can't even get on the same page. When believers separate each other by condemning each other for each other's convictions. The church is so fractured. There's so many denominations. And then there's so many church splits. And there's so many disagreements. And you have to vote this way. You can't vote this way. You have to eat this. You can't drink this. You have to celebrate this. You can't celebrate this. And, and, and unbelievers from the outside are being like, y'all are crazy. I'm kind of curious about this Jesus guy, but that is a dysfunctional body of people I don't want to be a part of. I thank you, but I will try to explore Jesus on my own. Man, if we nail this, if we get this, if we heed Paul's words saying, knock it off, stop condemning one another, the impact that is actually at stake here is the clarity, is the example that we can set for those people who are in our front row. If we can lead by example, by, by, by having our own convictions, by following those own convictions, by not forcing those convictions on other people, by creating space for other people's convictions, and for elevating people, and for loving other people beyond those things, 
Imagine the impact we can have on those people that God has supernaturally and strategically placed in our front row. And when we invite them, when we invest in them, when we're praying for them, they'll be like, I actually want to be around this person because not only are they surrendering their life to Jesus, but I see it not just in the decision they made, but in the way they live their life. Why they continually elevate Jesus above everything else. And I love that. I encourage you this week, memorize that verse for the sake of the people in your front row, for the sake of the people in your discussion group, for the sake of those who follow you on social media, for the sake of your neighbors, for the sake of people who are watching you so that more and more people will see Jesus and more and less and less people will see us.